I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. On today's show, Ben Elwood joins me for part one of our penultimate deep dive director series on David Lynch as we look at his masterpiece, Mulholland Drive. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I have a meeting at Winkies after today's episode of Big Squid. Hello, thank you for joining me today, and uh, welcome to the first of our two-part deep dive into David Lynch's Mulholland Drive. It's probably, in many ways, the most accessible of the David Lynch dreamscape movies. Like, quite clearly, the straight story is more accessible, but I'm talking about these movies that have their own surreal feel to them. This is one of those films that I think, when you watch it, Maybe the first viewing you're like, what is happening? But if you pay attention and you go back to it, it actually, there's a lot of jumping on points. I think that's uh, what you'll discover in my conversation with Ben. So uh, this is the first part today. The second part will go up tomorrow, which will be, that will be Tuesday the 19th of July. So uh, not too long to wait for the second part of this. And then we only have one more David Lynch movie to cover. And that will bring an end to this season of Big Squid. But don't worry, it will be a short break before launching season six with some new segments, some of your favourite segments, and a whole bunch of new thoughts on the world of art and entertainment. Adelaide friends, Big Squid is coming to your city with a live podcast being recorded at the Rhino Room on September 16. And our first wave of guests include Rove McManus, Tom Gleeson, Adam Richard and Ben Elwood. The first wave, that's right, there's a second wave of guests to be announced. Uh, my listeners can tap into a special discount. Just type in the code BIGSQUID, 
B-I-G-S-Q-U-I-D, one word, to access your very special ticket price. Head to adelaidecomedy.com for more info. And I reckon we'll probably announce the second wave of guests in our last podcast for the season, which will be around the start of August. But if that's the first wave, you are guaranteed that the second wave is going to be just as tasty. My Patreon subscribers don't just have access to extra podcasts, scripts and their own discounted ticket options. They also have an episode dedicated to them. And today's shout out goes to Scott Tyker, who I've shared lots of great chats with over at the Patreon site. And he has been a staunch supporter of the Big Squid podcast and the stuff that I've been doing. Scott, I know you were hoping for a movie starring the dude, but hopefully... This two-part episode fills that Lebowski hole instead. I'm not saying that we won't get to Lebowski. I reckon we will get to Lebowski, and I will also keep you in mind for that one, Scott. But in the meantime, it was time for you to have an episode dedicated to you. You've got a two-parter, and I hope you enjoy not only this podcast, but also this film. Uh, if you'd like to have an episode dedicated to you and access to bonus podcasts, scripts, etc., I'll share those details at the end of this podcast. Now it is time to travel to Hollywood where a beautiful actress loses her memory and the only person that can help her is Betty, a new actress in town. Together they search for the clues that will repair this shattered actress's mind. But what they find is more confronting than anyone expected. Let's take a journey into the world of Mulholland Drive. I can't believe it. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm in this dream place. This one comes highly recommended. Dream place. What are you doing? Get out of the car. The girl is still missing. What's wrong? I just don't know who I am. I wonder where you were going. Mulholland Drive. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. Silencio. This is all. I want to know who you are, don't you? Where's this going? It's been a very strange day. I'm getting stranger. Fun uh, movie to rewatch, which is uh, in many ways. Uh, I think I've only ever actually seen this twice and mm. I know it's really good. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, you know, I, I had that run with the flu so I could, uh, I think the night that I watched it, I I, I was in a w- mild mood. I could feel something happening. I could feel right, myself right, kind right, of right, right. powering down. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I thought, oh man, I've got to watch this because we've got to get everything sorted and I sat down and it was a bit, Irritable, and then got to the end and went, "Fuck, this is a good movie." It's fucking, it's, so, it's good. so good. It's so good. Yeah, I, I was saying to you on the phone that uh, yeah, I, I, I attempted to watch it a few nights before, 
and 10 minutes in was like, tonight's not the night. Yeah. And I've uh, I've definitely gotten better at listening to that impulse. Yes. A lot of times in the past, like, no, no, push through. It's like, no, no, no. So I ended up putting on a Hitchcock movie, which is exactly what I needed in that mode. Just hold my hand. Yeah. Let's go through some crazy twists and turns, not into nightmare land. Um, and then I put it on two nights ago and 20 minutes in, I had that, you know, film guy in my brain going like, yes, yes, yes. It's a very good film. It's a very excellent film. It's the AFI's number one film of all time, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then another 20 minutes after that just felt my whole body relax. Yeah. And that it's no longer intellectualizing it. It's like your whole body feels it and goes, this is really good. Yeah. I wonder if there is, because uh, we share a similar trait in that we don't really respect authority. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, especially, yeah, yeah. specifically kind of intellectual authority. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. this is a good film. This is a bad mm, film. Mm, mm. We all have a consensus that this is popular, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I wonder if subconsciously both of us were a bit like, you know, I'm not really going to get into this because this is the David Lynch film that everyone agrees is the best. <laughs> and you know what? I like this film better. I like that film better. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. know what? Fuck all of you. I'm not going to be a part of the consensus. <laughs> and then you get to the end of it. And even though I will still categorically say Lost Highway is my favourite right. David Lynch film, yeah. just emotionally and everything about it really yeah. resonates with me. I think this is probably his best film. It's his best film. Yeah. I think. Well, I don't know because I was thinking it's, I mean... <sighs> It's such a, it's such a kind of weird thing. Best, worst, like top tens, all this kind of stuff. Like I think those AFI, BFI lists are really useful if you're a person who wants to kind of tick off the canon. Oh, you know, if yeah. you want to kind of, if you, if you're lost in the wilderness, you know, there's fucking you know a million different movies to watch. Yeah. If you want to kind of just narrow it down, they're really useful. But at the same time, they can have a. Uh, a, a kind of cooling effect on your perception of anything, you know. Right. Like I, I, I can imagine a lot of people going, "Oh, I'm going to watch the best movie ever made." Yeah. Apparently, it's Mulholland Drive, and getting halfway through and going, "What? What the?" I mean, I remember that the first time I saw Citizen Kane. Right. Citizen Kane was for a long time the greatest film of all time. Yeah. And got to the end and was like, it was fine. Yeah. And it was only years later. I was like, no, it's actually amazing. So, I mean, those lists are useful. But yeah, I think they can kick off the contrarian in your head for sure. There's too many lists now and they've diluted the power of lists. You were completely (laughs) right about what you were saying in that, like, I, as a kid, lists were really important to me because they were things like, like the Rolling Stone top albums of all time Mm. was a really important list for me because there was one year that... Number four was Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Mm. And it was like an album I had never heard of. Mm. And I, what I knew of Marvin Gaye at that point was more his Motown work yeah. and heard it through the grapevine yeah. and sexual healing. And that's kind of all I knew yeah. of his. And then it was like, oh, maybe I should check this album out. And then you listen to it and you go, holy shit, this is a masterpiece. Yeah. So lists can be yeah. uh, quite handy in that regard. Yeah, look, I... Uh, I think that maybe this is technically his best film because uh, and look I for everyone listening I actually said this to you on the phone last night mm. it's like from probably the final days of Laura Palmer mm. Lost Highway and even the straight story to this it's like everything he works on and does coalesces into Mulholland Drive. Yeah. And it's got... Um, and I don't think this is 
a negative at all, but I think this actually has a few more jumping on points for the regular moviegoer 100%. without diluting what he does. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's, it's both his most accessible film, other than the straight story, but that's kind of well, a, even, in a league of its own. E- even the accessibility of the straight story is it's still weird in that it doesn't do what normal movies do in yeah. that, like at some po- like in a normal movie, that girl robs him. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the he, he ends up, you know, when he stays at that house, he ends up in some sex romp with the wife. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah, yeah. the normal story beats. Absolutely. But someone like my mum could watch the yes. straight story and have an, a lovely time. A lovely time. Um, so I think Mulholland Drive, it's my, other than the straight story, which is a separate kind yeah. of entity, Mulholland Drive is the most accessible one. It's also the most Lynchian Lynch film. Yeah. I think every director... Like, last night I watched um, North by Northwest. Oh, yeah. And it's like... It's the most Hitchcocky and Hitchcock movie yeah. of all. Like, it's yeah. got all of the... And it's and prob- probably the most accessible as well, in, yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. It's just a, this crazy adventure story. Yeah. But, you know, it's got the, the accused man that didn't do the wrong thing and the yeah. sexy woman and all of the tropes are there. Um, and I really felt that watching Mulholland Drive. It's like it's all there. Yeah. But a normie could kind of sit down and really enjoy this film. Yeah. Yeah, you know? definitely. I, look, I, I know some of our listeners have struggled with some of the Lynch films mm. uh, recently, mm. and uh, <laughs> some of those, uh, some of the ones that have uh, reached out to me, I've said, you know, stick, watch the straight story. Mm-hmm. No, nobody had seen the straight story who yeah. had written to me yeah. or spoken to me. Did and they watch it? No, well, I'm, I don't know, yeah. but I'm, uh, there, there might be at. at at the point of this recording, we haven't even released the straight story oh, yet. Of course, on, yeah. So yeah. people might be waiting until that. I know there's uh, some of my friends are doing that. They yeah, wait until yeah, the, yeah. the podcast is up, then they go and watch the film. Right. But I've said to them, uh, hang in there for Mulholland Drive because the things that you find uh, tricky or disturbing in these previous films, mm. uh, this will be the one to you know bring you back. Surely everyone at this stage has seen Mulholland Drive, right? That's one of those. It's one of those kind of movies that. Lynn, uh, look, I. One of the things I have been extremely surprised by doing this run of podcasts is, oh. like, I knew when we did the Sophia Coppola series that most people had not watched any of her movies right. apart from Lost in Translation. Yeah, sure. And yeah. you know, the responses were, "Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that movie existed. Oh, I didn't even know what that was." Or mm. I saw the poster for that and I thought that's what that movie was, and then watched right, it and right, went, right, "Oh, right. something different." Yeah. I kind of thought, with our listeners, I thought David Lynch was kind of weirdly moving a little bit more towards the... The mainstream. Oh, well, you know, like especially for movie lovers. But, well, yeah. but I've been quite surprised that uh, a lot of people have barely watched any of his films and uh, even the ones that they have watched, you know... You know, some of some people said oh, I thought I was a David Lynch fan because I'd seen The Elephant Man and I watched <laughs> Twin Peaks as a kid. Yeah. And then, and then I watched... You know, the last days of Laura Palmer, and now I'm having to wash myself in a bath full of dead <laughs> Lynch movies require work. It's kind of like the filmic equivalent of late stage Scott Walker music. Yes. You know, yeah. like the first time it's I put work. the first time I put Bish Bosh on, my like my ears started bleeding. Like, oh my lord. <laughs> yeah. Uh except for that song Epizootics, which is outstanding. Um, That's so funny. I was literally um I'm working on something at the moment <laughs> and I'm putting together the soundtrack of what I need to be listening to to uh, work on this piece. Yeah. 
and I was listening to a bit of Scott Walker and specifically The Electrician, which is uh, yeah. a f- fucking yeah. hell of a... It's great. Yeah. and But it's one of those things like, you know, uh, the first time I heard um, Bish Bosh. Yeah. You know... The I, drift. I, I can't... The drift. I can't say I enjoyed it, but there was a part of me that's like, oh, if I committed to this, I yeah. would. And I feel like it's it's a similar thing with it. This rewatch has kind of made me reassess a few movies that I really didn't like in the past. Yeah. Like, you know, I've talked about not really enjoying Blue Velvet until this recent rewatch. Right. Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Uh, and then others, it's just reinforced how much I love them. Yeah. But yeah, no, I can I can see why I can see why people... Well, I think, uh, I think... I think he's an easy director to kind of go like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. I'll do him tomorrow because I'm not in the mood right now. And yeah. then it's suddenly it's ten, 10 years later and you've never watched one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, I also think, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons you picked Lynch mm. was these uh, really full-on grotty times and this yeah, is a good yeah. time to get into it. Yeah. And... I agree with that sentiment. Like, I, I want to yeah. explore all of these feelings. I want to be present in this time yeah. because I need to understand who I am mm. to be able to come out of it mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. you know, the best shape that I possibly can. Yeah. Do you realise how much we're in the minority? <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 no, I'm fully aware of it. We that. are totally in the minority. Oh, people yeah. are like, fuck, man. Yeah. Like, just like... I reckon, I think people would be very happy if we decided to do Michael Bay movies next. Yeah, yeah. But like, I I mean, look, I don't want to get too savage, but you know my feelings on that. Yeah. Like, you know, if it's not your, if it's not your want to kind of lean into feeling weird, power to you. I just hope that you're not only watching Marvel movies or Pixar movies to the exclusion of all else. Like, I get if you don't want to wallow, <laughs> you don't want to wallow in a nightmare. Muck, yeah, for sure. Muck world. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but I do hope that there's some kind of exploration of a feeling other than benign happiness or just kind of like that was cool or yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, if all you're watching is Obi Wan Kenobi and Ms. Marvel, yeah. you need to reassess what you're putting in your brain for, for no other reason than there are multiple ways of interpreting the world and not all of them should be sponsored by Disney Inc. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I know. Well, I'm, I'm the complete opposite at the moment. I have completely turned on the mainstream. I, yeah, I watched awful. two episodes of Kenobi and was like, I'm out. Yeah, uh, it looks like shit. Someone said, no, you've got to see this scene with Darth Vader. I said, already saw <sighs> it. Someone put it on Twitter. Fine. What, where he brings the ship down? Amazing. Whoa. It's a guy in a fucking Halloween costume yeah. waving his hand around at a CG ship. If And if it did it for you, good luck. But, like, come on. Like, <laughs> I've had so many people try to talk me into watching it. It's like, I'm, hey, if you want to watch it, that's cool. I just... Like, you know, I've gone back to that German series, Dark, mm. and, you know, I want to sit there watching this really crazy fucking complicated time travel story yeah. that I have to read while listening to one of the harshest accents in history of <laughs> yeah, humankind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it, I don't know. Like, I, I, I do feel like I'm at risk of becoming a bit of a snob lately because I've been, you know, you, you know that I've been spent most of this year watching mainly foreign films from yeah. the 60s and 70s and I can feel myself turning into a real fucking meh well, snob I've just watched 29 Ingmar Bergman movies well, <laughs> I know what cinema is I'm not wasting my time on Kenobi no 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 but it's well you, 
well, maybe you are turning into a snob. I, yeah, but- I desperately want to enjoy mainstream. Like, I, I do. I do want to, like, yeah. I enjoyed The Batman. Yeah, that was like, fucking great. Yeah, but like that was a that was a mainstream movie, and yeah. uh, and I was totally not interested in like when it was first announced. I was like, nah. Yeah. And then it was like, oh god, I like all those people. All right, I'll go and see it. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Great. Absolutely. I'm into. I, I have no problem with the mainstream if it kind of is just be good. Yeah. If it's something, if it's something that I haven't seen before, like. You know, most of those Marvel shows or most of the Marvel movies or the Star Wars things, it's just like, yeah, here we go again. It's just yeah, retreading it's- something that I've... And I'm not even balls deep in the culture of it. No. And if I'm familiar with all the iconography, it's like, I just... Uh, we've discussed it on this so many times. I just don't know how you can just enjoy the same thing over and over and over again ad infinitum for your entire span of your life. Like, at some point, you know, The Simpsons defined my entire mode of being... For the first twenty years of my life, yeah, everything about my sense of humor, about my comic timing, yeah, about my understanding of culture, the world, my my cynicism, yeah. everything. I'm forty now, yeah, and yeah, if like if if an episode of The Simpsons came on, I'd enjoy it, but yeah. I'm not sitting there like going, "Oh my god, it's The Simpsons!" It's yeah, like, yeah, that was then, yeah, and I'm so glad I had that time. But fuck, man, there's a big world of stuff out there yeah and i want to see as much of it as i can if for no other reason than to kind of understand that there's so many ways of being alive and interpreting that like roger ebert talks about cinema being an empathy machine right uh and you know watching a lot of these foreign films it's it's blown my mind i watched a movie from 1949 about a divorced couple who each go and have gay relationships on the side. Yeah. And it's a 1949 Scandinavian movie. And it's like, it's so erotic and evocative and adult. Yeah. And then you're thinking, God, what were they making in 1949 in American cinema, which is the cinema of that era that I'm most familiar with. And it's all like, gee whiz, you know, like every husband and wife sleeping in separate beds. And it's like, if that's the only filter that you've ever had of that time, that's what you think that that time was. It's like, no, people were just as you know, alive and doing stuff back then as we, you know, it's, yeah. but you have to experience different storytellers and different countries and all the rest. Yeah. And I feel like if the only mode of reality you're experiencing is pixels on fucking streaming Disney plus, I, I just feel like it narrows your worldview to a point where it's like, of course you can't watch something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Well, it's, it's, it's also, you know, like, like I, I there's a, comic artist that I quite like who uh, I do think he tweets too much and it is one of those things where it's like mate get off fucking Twitter Mm. Um, but someone he he was complaining about a scene from Barry and he was like uh, he just put up this screen grab sort of saying you know what's with all these TV shows that are so dark blah 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 and someone wrote underneath this this show's masterpiece and and, and it kind Mm. of does represent where it goes a little bit emotionally, and he just writes under underneath, "No thanks," and it's like, Ugh. well, where you like, like I understand it might not be your cup of tea, but like, like what are you like, what are you talking about? Like, well, there's heaps dis- of shows that look the same, and Barry is different, and yeah, 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 like yeah, it's yeah. fine. But to dismiss it outright, like just because it's not for you, what you wish it out of existence? No thanks. Yeah. I okay. don't know. Cool. No thanks. Wear, like, your, wear your ignorance like a badge of honor more, you fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, it's just really, yeah, it's really frustrating. And there's all this, um, like all the, all my favorite movies this year have been foreign. 
Like no, but like I've had people laugh when I tell them that after that uh, particularly stressful week at the chase when the beast couldn't lay a shit, that my way of recovering after a ten-hour day was to go and watch a three-hour Japanese movie yeah, about yeah. grief uh, <laughs> and drive my car and how mesmerized I was. And people, are, it's like I said and and. Then I was tripped on a banana skin and hit my nuts on a pole. <laughs> ah, so funny. It's like, no, I needed to. I'm being to. serious. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's like, I mean, uh, again, I think we've discussed this, but, you know, when I'm in a really dark mood, mm. to put on something really happy, it's like putting tinsel on a dead Christmas tree. It's like all yeah. it does is augment how shit yeah. I feel. Yeah. Like, you know, it's you almost need to lean into how you're feeling, honour it, and it dissipates. Yeah. You know? Watch Come and See if you're in a bad mood. You'll get to the end of that movie and feel fucking great. <laughs> oh, we, we spread the joy with that on uh, overseas, didn't we? Uh, with Uncle Rupert in, uh, in the UK. He was wrapped. Standing movie. He was very happy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, about this film. Yep. When did you first see it? Uh, it would have been a year, about a year or two after it came out. Mm. Uh, and I went into it with all the cultural baggage of the time of... Mm, I, I still remember a friend's mum mentioning it just going it makes no sense it's completely nonsensical and then i remember the meme at the time was that i think the alamo draft house was handing out 10 like little cards 10 keys to understanding my and drive oh that's well that's in the squid bits he released that oh right that's from david lynch which i don't agree with it's you it know. was from the it was from the uh well we might as well just discuss it now let me find it um i'm i'm not into that as well but it did actually come from uh lynch himself it did come from lynch himself Look, man, uh, I, mean- I, I think it was for the uh oh, i can't find it but anyway it was for the it was for the video oh okay yeah, I just so I went into it going, oh, this is going to be like. And I was saying to you the other day, like when I saw this movie, it wasn't even at a time in my life where I was really used to strange elliptical narrative or you know even weird films. My yeah. my, my 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 watching tastes up until that point were pretty standard. Yeah. Um, and it got to the end, and I just looked at my friend and went, "That's not confusing at all." There's, yeah. a, there's aspects of it. There's yes. moments where it's like, well, what does that symbolise? Yes. Who are those two old people that chase yes. her to kill herself at the end? Yeah. You know, like mo- there were moments that were like, oh, you, that's open to interpretation. Yeah. But to me, there's a very clear, there was always a very clear delineation between what is a dream yeah. and what is quote unquote reality. Yeah. Um, that, that I was baffled that it was like, that it wasn't just a few people going, it makes no sense. It was the cultural opinion of this movie that it was completely nonsensical. Yeah. Uh, and really, all you had to do was keep track of two names. Yeah. And it makes total sense. Yeah. And I I reckon that is an incorrect... Uh, like, that, that societal uh, opinion of the film, which is it's really confusing and you have to work it out, is... If if you really unpack it, it's it's actually not because heaps of people unpacked it and worked it out, yeah. and and so a movie that's hard to interpret is Lost Highway. That's and that's, and that's hard why, to interpret, yes. and that's why people don't talk about it. But Mulholland Drive is easy to work yeah. out. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, so that gets the narrative. Oh, it's a hard one to work out, and then people mm. would just rather not talk about Lost Highway. Yeah, no, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I saw this when it was first released mm. and uh, at the cinema, uh, Nova, old school Nova Cinema in Adelaide in the big purple seats. I went with my mm. uh, girlfriend at the time and uh, it was, so I, I, I missed the straight story. I didn't even see when it yeah, came to yeah, the cinema. Yeah. And so I hadn't seen a Lynch film since Lost Highway at the same cinema. Mm-hmm. And uh, my girlfriend and I afterwards, it was Great, and then we went and got something to eat, and we just unpacked it. And yeah. I thought, man, I am going to be with her forever. Anyway, <laughs> we're not, we won't. But uh, it was it was a good night. Um, in early promotion of the movie, Lynch described it as a love story in the city of dreams. A love story in the city of dreams. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, what do you make of this description? Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's like the love. That the two characters develop for each other. Yeah, it's also a tale of heartbreak in the city of nightmares. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. Um, and not just the it's not just the love or the the heartbreak between the characters. It's the it's the love and the heartbreak of a dream. Yeah, or or, or a, a wish fulfillment that could, that never comes to pass. Yeah, you know, I think that Diane's rage and bitterness isn't just towards the fact that she's dumped. It's the fact that her aspirations never come true. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, in in some ways, it's almost like a a warning. Maybe yeah. you shouldn't follow your dreams, or be well, prepared that just because you follow true. your dreams, that's yeah, 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 might go sideways. Well, because I think you know the the opening sequence before we even get the credits, the jitterbug, the jitterbugging at the beginning, yeah. and we see Natalie Portman shiny and smiling and everything. And I think Naomi Watts. Naomi, sorry, what did yeah. I say? No, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Yeah, <laughs> Naomi Watts, and she's uh, and and I think oh, I'd actually feel like Natalie Portman would be good in a David Lynch. Yeah, film. she would be. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, I think when you really know this film, you know, when, when you first see this film, you think that that is Betty smiling at mm. the jitterbug contest. Mm. But when you come to know the movie, it's like, no, that's Diane. Yeah. That's Diane full of hopes and dreams that yeah. she's just won the Jitterbog contest and yeah. she's off to Los Angeles to be a big movie star. Yeah. And then the and then that awful transition to what she becomes at the end. Oh man. Like, you know, she's so hollowed out. Yeah. And that's the like that turn is amazing. I mean I, the last time I watched this was a few years ago with a um woman I was seeing at the time and she'd never seen it before and it was so funny she didn't know anything about it and it was so funny watching it with her cuz about halfway through you could hear her teeth clenching every time right. betty was talking like this and i'm like yeah. chuckling to myself going it yeah. all it all leads somewhere yeah. and she just looked at me she's so fucking bright and shiny i can't yeah. stand it yeah and it's like you know i didn't say a word but it's like you know you need that 2 hours with that yeah. you know i mean it, the, the turn really happens during the audition where she uh, reveals how much depth there actually is to her oh my lord but um you know that also bright- probably uh, you know we'll get to this a bit later but probably the most important scene in Naomi Watts career oh it's just unbelievable unbelievable i i still remember One of the our fir- great i actors. still remember the first time i saw that yeah, seen just what the fuck is happening. Yeah, um, you know how lulled you are into her portrayal of Betty as this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Um. I, just before we move on, the, the so because I've seen this movie three times, I've. It's like the first time I saw the film, it felt like a mystery to be solved. Mm. You know, like that's because mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. sitting there trying to work it out, and then the second time it felt like a statement on Hollywood, mm. and then this time it was like. Um, 
do we even really know who we are? That's what it kind oh, of felt absolutely. like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's nice to be getting these different uh, flavors every time. It's like a it's like a good coffee as it as it as it cools down. You get all these different aromas, and it's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that's something that we've we've experienced with all these movies. Is that they- how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. They are different every time you see them. Yeah. Uh, you've already kind of talked about the opening. It's uh, It feels like a statement for the unconscious. People cheering, dancing, segues into something awful alone, hiding under the blankets. Uh, you know, you were kind of talking about the start. It's um, our dreams of Hollywood and fame will often decompose into recriminations, psychic pain and ego flagellation. Um, And it's also, it's funny, isn't it? Because the dance, like the jitterbug, you know, at the start you're like, um, uh, God, what's going on with that? And then you don't think about it for ages, like ages. And then it's not until the end that you kind of go, oh, hang on, shit, that, that, that's how the movie started. Uh, by the way, and again, my- just a beautiful throwaway line. Throw I, away. Want a jitterbug, I want a jitterbug bug contest. Yeah, and she's really, <laughs> yeah. when she says it. Uh, my interpretation isn't necessarily cor- correct, but just um, uh, w- what I saw, and I found this really confronting, um, it, well, it was a few days later after watch, thinking about that start and thinking about this movie, it made me go, oh, yeah, that's how I feel about my time in Melbourne. <laughs> when I got out. The start of my Mulholland Drive, uh, my, my Brunswick Street would be um, the opening credits to the big gig and then, and then me backstage with Fleety going, fuck, I can't lend you any more money. <laughs> With a big Hollywood grin on your face. It's all going to work out fine. I'm going to get that $20 back. <laughs> Charlie Pickering and I worked out that we might be the only two people who got our money back from uh, Fleeting. Oh, really? Yeah. I always saw it as an um, entry into the... You'd really arrived on the scene. Mate, it is... When money had been borrowed off you. <laughs> that is the power of Fleeting. He makes you think that. Uh the movie begins with a mysterious brunette being menaced on Mulholland Drive by two guys with a gun in a car, and she's saved 
by kids joyriding who mm. smash into the car. That's fucking confronting, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Rewatching yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, go, yeah. there is, wow. Uh, that's how uh, those things look. There's nothing attractive about it or Hollywood at all. Awful. Yeah. Uh, the brunette then wanders down into Hollywood, lost and confused. Uh, what do you think of that start? Oh, it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and 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 it has the effect of putting you in the mindset of the character. You know, you're very confused. Yeah, what the fuck is happening? You know, why did the gun get pulled on her? Even yeah. though she doesn't remember a lot of that. Yeah, you know, you you, you you're in a, you're in a similar fugue state. Yeah, of kind of like Ugh. the way she just kind of wanders out and and looks at the lights and then yeah. just. Uh, so I'd uh, written down. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of this stuff that I wrote came from feelings mm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it was like I watched it, I didn't do any work on it the next day, and then just yeah. kind of let it sit in the back of my subconscious. And it feels, uh, I, I, once again, I'm talking specifically about the scene, not how it um, plays out later. But it it felt like uh, the woman dies in the accident, and then descends into hell, or more like the Greek underworld of mm. Hades, where the dead are group together and lead a shadowy post-existence. And I love that the detectives appear, feel like they're going to be this important part of the movie and never return again. Like, it's tough times for the Robert Forster fans. Especially because Robert Forster's like third in the opening credits, yeah. starring Robert Forster. Yeah, it's yeah. like two lines and that's it. Yeah, that was, um, that, was my, that was my one of my initial furies over the, um, the uh, Fire Walk With Me movie was the... <laughs> Oh, with the oh yeah, oh, Bowie's going to be in this, oh, and it's like he's in it for like thirty nine <laughs> seconds. And I was like, wait a second, you, why not just tell me he's not in it, oh, and then great. and then surprise me? But but now it's really entertaining. Uh, w- uh, when we get to the good bits, we'll explain more about why that um, uh, played out the way that it did. Yeah. Uh, but it also does kind of fit in with the narrative of uh, you know uh, the way it works in this film. Uh, after the mysterious brunette falls asleep in a garden, she makes her way into... Oh God, you know what? The, the amount of people that have fallen asleep out the front here and none of them are beautiful brunettes. They are people who... Like, sometimes it's just chefs who work down the road who have just uh, decided to lean back and have a little nine-eyes. Um, she makes her way into a woman's apartment as, she, as this woman leaves for overseas. We then cut to a man at a diner called Winkies, great name, telling his friend he had to come to this place because he'd had a dream and needed to see if it would come true. That's kind of a little bit of a, you know, that's on a very small scale, the dream of going to Hollywood to see yep. if it will come real. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like this scene, like this scene, in many ways, is uh, Betty's <laughs> life, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go to Hollywood to see if my dream comes true. Everything goes horrible. This guy goes, "I'm going to go to uh, the cafe see if my dream comes true." Haggard person comes out from behind uh, a, hell. <laughs> a fence. Fucking hell! <laughs> Poor bugger has a <laughs> has a terrible heart attack. Have uh, you have you been to Hollywood? Yes. Like specifically the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah, it's harrowing. Yeah. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. It's one of the most disturbing places I've ever been. Yeah. I was outside the Man's Chinese Theatre one time. and, and So I, gross. It's so gross. And I saw this incident that just encapsulated Hollywood in one 30-second encounter. You know how there's all the people that dress up as movie characters yeah. outside Man's Chinese Theatre and they try and get tourists to pay them to have photos. Yeah. Uh, so there's like, you know, off-brand Mickey Mouse and yeah. no frills, Transformers and shit. Uh, <laughs> no. no frills, Transformers. Not that much that meets the eye. And um, there was this lady dressed as Marilyn Monroe from 
uh, the seven-year itch, the yep. classic white yep. dress. Yep. Uh, and look, there's no polite way of saying it. The woman was in her, I would say, late fifties. Yep. A little bit too old to be playing seven-year itch Marilyn Monroe. Not, not fit. It's miscast. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm not being rude. It's just yep. the truth. Yeah. Uh, she's older than Marilyn was when Marilyn died. Uh, and this was evidenced by the fact that no one wanted anything to do with this lady. Everyone was avoiding her, not making eye contact. It was grim. It was really fucking depressing. And she's, you know, trying to do the thing where the dress is coming up. And it was, ju- it was horrific. You know, it was literally like a scene from a Lynch movie. Yeah. Everyone's avoiding her. And then on, <laughs> on cue. Yeah. yeah. Another Marilyn arrives, same dress, but this time she's in her early 20s. Right. And on cue, I'm not even fucking making this up, a tour bus pulls up and people are like pressed against the glass, snapping photos of her and she's doing the whole like, like pushing the billowing dress down and everything. And older Marilyn, her entire spirit just slumps and she just leaves the boulevard. And I just felt like that tableau is fucking Hollywood in a nutshell, right? That's awful. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it was just one of the yeah. most awful things I've ever seen. Yeah. But it was like, that's that's fucking Hollywood, right? Yeah. This is it. Yeah. That is confronting. Yeah, like it's really it's, not good. It's like, it's bad enough that I'm being a bit disappointed about what Hollywood really looks like, but now you've slapped me in the face with a metaphor that I already understood. <laughs> I don't need this. I get it. Um, this scene at the uh, in the diner is, you know, is you know in the part dream, part memory uh, aspect of the film, and this is one of those moments that the subconscious knits together for our protagonist in her last moments. Mm. Uh, the real world meets the dream world in ways that don't quite fit, but still make some sense. Uh, and once again, if anything, this scene is a warning. If your dreams are leading towards a bad decision, you you shouldn't follow them. Mm. Um, you know, I take that into account with the finale and the assassin. You know, it's like mm, mm. she just makes lots of bad choices, yeah. and uh, it's um that, that 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 scene in particular. Once again, it's this is a hard film to kind of discuss because you have to discuss it in its entirety mm. because everything reflects and bounces back. And but that scene is like one of his best encapsulations of how dreams work which is you know it's the the waitresses uh, and it's the guy that she saw in that diner it's how she was feeling in that diner um you know it's a it's, it's a remarkable scene at the time once again you, you're taking it all in but on its own it's uh oh, it makes perfect sense when you it, when you but it's perfect filmmaking I yeah, 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 it's yeah, just, yeah just great uh, some some rando at the winkies happened to look at her when she was making the most putrid decision of her life. Yeah. And she's, you know, put him into her dream, you know, as the witness of this dark entity that lives just behind, you know, just behind the diner, i.e. just inside her head. Yeah. Which is the dark entity that lives in all of us. All of us, yeah. You know, that's what, I mean, I don't get upset by that scene anymore because I'm very used to it. Yeah. But the first few times I watched that, I almost threw up. It's one of the oh. worst things that I've ever seen in a, yeah. in a film. Yeah. The way the sound. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's the way the pressure drops just before you get a bout of tinnitus. Right. Like all the sound just yeah. gone and this thing just arriving. And 
Again, if you just kind of slide, I don't know if you've seen the photo, the behind the scenes photo of yeah. Lynch hanging out with that, yeah. that creature. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it takes away all the, the power of it. Yeah. But isolated as an image, it's not good. Yeah. It's it, one of the most awful things I've ever seen. It's uh, one of the great uh, jump scares that people wouldn't think to mention because, uh, you know, because uh, it's... It, it, it is kind of dreamlike as it happens. Yeah, it's gross. It's mm. such a gross thing, mm. and, and that kind of ties into, you know, we get into the uh, the mysterious men making phone calls looking for the missing brunette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how, how do you interpret uh, interpret uh, those uh, those mysterious men? Oh, the, the the men at the studio. Yeah. Oh, I think that's I think that's uh, that that leads into Diane's. Um, rage not just at um sorry i forget the the brunette reader's real name um hang on let's uh, just say reader yeah, that, yeah. like her the, I, I, that, that, I think that encapsulates diane's it's not just her this dream is not just her response to her trauma about reader it's her response to her trauma about being not part of the system that she wanted to be part of yeah uh you know so obviously it's not just that she didn't get the role it's this giant conspiracy with, you know, men behind curtains and the mafias involved and, you know, which might have some, tr- you know, the, the studio does have um, their hooks in everything and, and things aren't fair. Yeah. But I think she's constructed into this narrative of, you know, a much darker, you know, conspiratorial thing. Um, yeah. And that's the reason her career hasn't panned out the way she wanted it to. It's it's funny. Uh, I think uh, everyone is, uh, especially in the world of um, entertainment, uh, it's it's a really easy slide to make. Oh well, I I didn't make it because everyone was against me. Yeah, of course. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. the the truth, uh, Camilla, is, Camilla is uh, right. the real yeah. person's name uh, per se. Um, the 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 reality is actually much more confronting if you think about it, which is that the world is indifferent to you. Absolutely. And invariably, the reason you weren't picked for something was that no one gave a shit. No one gave a shit. Yeah. They, well, they'd they, already decided the type that they wanted before you even yeah, arrived. Yeah. They couldn't work out how to make money from you, so yeah. they they weren't even they weren't even thinking. I'm going to crush his career. It was like, who? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's um fascinating i'd written down here which is pretty much what you said which is uh using the dreamlike quality naomi what's character diane knits together the truth of hollywood that there are people in charge who decide how your life and career will play out mm. and her inability to accept her fate and it's it, it does make you go um you know she's great in her scene but that's part of her dream mm. so maybe maybe she wasn't very good yeah, or Maybe she was distracted by her love life. Like, maybe, well, maybe she is really good. I mean, fucking yeah. for every for every brilliant artist or actor that's out there, there's another thirty that are just as brilliant or even more brilliant that yeah. are just like laid to waste. So it yeah, it's it's completely random. Yeah, you know, uh, Betty arriving in LA. It, it, once again, it's like oh. this kind of upbeat uh, scene, and it's all at this stage. It's quite nice, but. Uh, Oh man, the old couple and all the smiling. Like the smiling's too much. Yeah. Like if you are, you know, have a natural predilection to lean into not trusting people who smile too much, that is that's just as confronting as the uh, crazy homeless person leaping oh, of course, behind the, of course. the chair. Well, because they're not smiling with their eyes. 
the smile with yeah. the mouths. Yeah, uh, there's no warmth in the smile. It's a it's a fucking Richter's grin. Yeah, in in a moment of irony, my uh, there was um, uh, the girlfriend that I saw Mulholland Drive with. Um, my mum was never uh, a big fan of, and one of the things was she said, <laughs> she said uh, she doesn't smile with her eyes. She's got shark's eyes, and then <laughs> for years I could never. It was really hard to shake. That nickname in her, my head. I never said it to her, but I always was like, "Ah, oh, shark's eyes." So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a lot of it. Yeah. It's who, a, who do you think that the? What do you think the old people are? Well, I wonder if they're. Um, so I wonder if they're her parents. That's what I think. I yeah, think they're her parents, or it's the the auntie who died. Yeah, right. Yeah, auntie and uncle. So, But I reckon it's family. Yeah, it's family. I think it's either a grandparents or a parents. Yeah. Or even maybe the judges of the um, Jitterbug contest. Yeah. Well, um, I've got some... Because they uh, show up in Jitterbug. Lands. Yeah. That's where you first see them. Yeah. But, you know, like, maybe she was young and she was taken by her parents, you know. But uh, I think I've uh, written something down a little bit later on because there's something interesting in that um, you only get... The woman's name. You don't get the husband's right. name. Okay. So, um, but I'll, we'll find that as. I we... think they're definitely parents or someone from her past because I yeah. think that that that's why they haunt her. Yeah, I think I think that's why they haunt her. I think that's why they come back. It's like that thing of like parents or close family members see the real you beyond any you know, yeah. and so the final confrontation of her yeah. seeing what she actually is. Yeah, it, it the disappointment. Yeah, it wouldn't be a surprise that it's parents yeah. coming back to fucking remember what you really are. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. We sent you off and look at you. Look yeah. at you. Yeah. Uh, when Coco leads Betty to her aunt's apartment, it is great having the big dog poop on the pavement. <laughs> it uh, feels like a perfect summation of this movie. Everything is beautiful, but at any given moment, you could step in shit. <laughs> it's like um, uh, there's something... Uh, what, what I love about that particular moment is that there's something kind of uh, childish about about it as well. Yeah. Like, And that's what makes me laugh. Yeah. It's like this highfalutin movie and then it's like, it's dog poop. <laughs> when Coco's so interesting as well, you know, because yeah. there's a sweetness there, but she's also kind of terrifying. Yeah. Which once again uh, is a very showbiz kind of person. Yeah. Uh, they've uh, they've lived so much of their life on the stage mm-hmm. or in front of cameras, pretending to be other people. Yeah. That when it comes to being themselves, mm-hmm. it's like what the what is happening here? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is I feel like I feel like you're directing your own performance. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the criticisms, back to that thing of like this being Lynch's most accessible film, that kind of line reading that everyone gives in Lynch movies, that I am delivering a line of dialogue. Yeah. This is the one where it has a quote unquote explanation. Yeah. You know, A, they're all in Hollywood, so then there are all these kind of, you know, uh, theatre actor people who don't know how to speak authentically. Yeah. But it's also the dream of yeah. Hollywood. So yeah, I think uh Coco's weird line readings really feed into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's it's you know, you see it with uh you know, the people that not everyone, but the, the majority of uh people that we know who mm-hmm. have really high profiles. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a 
and and this is not a judgment, but if if you hang out with them like here or well, I don't know anywhere, just mm. anywhere where there isn't a crowd, it's it's just like hanging out with anyone. Yes, and then it's um, and then once it's out in the public. Because they've been papped or they've been followed or they're, they're mm. having people come up to them all the time. There is, even when they're hanging out, there's the performance side of them, well, because, and, be. and, and that has to be, yeah, because they be. have to protect themselves. Yeah. So it's not a, it's not a judgment, but it is. Uh, it's it's very interesting to oh, notice, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why invariably it's like if one of those people says, "Hey, we should go out for dinner," it's like, "Hey, how about we just hang at your house?" Because yeah. then when I'm hanging at your house, I feel like I'm going to get all of you. Totally. We don't have to worry about totally. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and also that quiet desperation of the performer who's always, uh-huh. you know, Coco just reeks of it. Like, you know, <laughs> at any given moment, someone's going to say, you should star in our sitcom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Coco's probably beyond it at this stage yeah. as well, but still. Betty discovers the brunette. And she names herself Rita from the poster for the film mm, Gilda with Rita, Rita Hayworth. Hayworth. Uh, Betty keeps telling Rita that this place is a dream. Her dream is to be a mm. movie star. Meanwhile, Rita is amnesiac and can cast a different state of being. And doesn't this feel like the first time in a Lynch movie he's given you the keys up front Absolutely. to unlock the film? That, and that's what we were talking Absolutely. about earlier. He's he's here you go. Yeah. Whatever you want to do with it, that's fine. But they're there. And yep. You can pick them up and yep. you can use them whenever you want. Yep, yep, yep. No, it's signposting it straight up. Yeah. Although, now that I think about it, similar thing happens in Lost Highway. I remember things the way I want to remember them, not necessarily how they happened. Yes. Yep. So. Yeah, but this, but I, um, but that kind of is kind of only. Yeah. Like this. Uh, the banging on about dreams, yeah, yeah, etc., yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that's what I mean about um, uh, the lessons learned yeah. from the previous movies are brought forward, yes. and uh, yes, yes, yes. he just kind of places it here, oh, here, and I'm going to say this here, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it's not it's um it's many keys. He gives it many many keys mm-hmm. to help you uh, get through it, uh, or not get through it, but find your way through it. Um. Let's do one more and then we'll take a break. Uh, let's talk about the men in this film. Uh, as a as a big Justin Thoreau fan, I, I find him hilariously emasculated. In oh, this he's film. awful. He's so he's awful. It's great, and he looks ugly in this film. He does look ugly. He, like he's, when he laughs, it's putrid. Yeah, yeah. Like these little fucking. It's not handsome, rat Justin Thoreau. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Like really sleazy, skeezy. Yeah. And uh, we might as well just talk about them one at a time, I reckon. And, um, you know, because then when you see him outside of the dream, yeah. he's awful there as well. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. like a... He's, you know you know what he looks like to me? Yeah. Have you ever heard Fiona Apple talk about how one of the worst nights she ever experienced was at a party with Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino and they were coked to the max oh, just talking themselves imagine? up and she was like and I think that was like she said something along the lines of that's the last time I'm ever going to do coke and you know yeah. ever be around people like that and that's that's what he stinks of in yep. the real world yep 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 he's that guy no we, we know a lot of people like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Quentin Tarantino on coke oh, oh it'd be the worst I can't handle Quentin Tarantino sober Mate, good lord! So, so he feels like that once again. 
talking about it uh, in a roundabout way at at the end when you see him, you know, with uh, in in the real world, mm. he's kind of gross and he probably is, you know, like a fine director. But yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 he's got that artifice. Like it's interesting comparing the artifices of the dream to the reality because they're all wearing artifice mm. in both realities. Yeah, but the artifice in the dream is that gee whiz kind of golly gosh stuff. Yeah. The artifice at the end is the true artifice of LA. Just that kind yeah. of like, you know, Quentin Tarantino on Coke. Yeah. Everyone talking themselves up in, you know, that weird kind of grotty uh, self-satisfaction. Yeah. It's putrid. Yeah. And the um, and then what happens to him throughout the film where he's just <laughs> like, they're saying, you can't make the movie you want to make and yeah. you're going to have to have this person in. And him saying, why is this happening? And he does it. He's going through what Betty goes through, yeah. which is the, what do you mean? Like, why am I not getting picked? Why? So he's going yeah. through all of her emotions yep. in this dream world yep. to the extent that, you know, even him taking a golf club to the car is just, it, it, there's nothing tough about it. <laughs> it's a little just, boy does. It's like, yeah, I'm going to smash up your car. <laughs> and the way he runs away just the after wa- he's done it. <laughs> the way he runs away is funny. Then he goes to his home. His wife's cheating on him with Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Like, what a great use of Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> yeah. like, he gets beaten up. He gets fucking marked in paint. He just has- forget you saw it. It's easier that way. It's just easier that way, right? <laughs> and then he just ends up in a in an awful hotel without any money. And um, yeah, why that hotel? Like why that disgusting? Because that's probably because that's probably where she's been going to get her drugs, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's because she's picking everything yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. her subconscious. Yeah, that's probably a place that she's been plenty of times. That guy's probably, you know, the guy who. Uh, I'm working this out at, the, at this very moment. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy who's the manager of the yeah. hotel saying, hey, you know, I'm going to need money. He's probably said that to her yeah, about probably. drugs. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, yeah, that's yeah. kind of thing. And then uh, fucking the fucking scary cowboy giving him the... Terrifying. The, you know, the word. Yeah. And then the way he just succumbs to what everyone else wants, even though, once again, in this dream, he sees Betty and thinks... She'd be perfect for my movie, and the mm. way he just flatly says, "No, I've already, you know, I'll pick her, Melissa George." Yeah, I, I uh, that that movie that we were going to go to see, but you couldn't come to the Lynch Oz documentary uh, that um, correlates all of yeah. Lynch's movie to the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, uh, and I can't remember the director's name. It's a female director. She does one of the essays. Right, and she talks about that moment because she's talking about the perception of Lynch through the eyes of a director in Hollywood. Yep. Uh, and she says that that moment, she goes, that moment where, he's, where he just kind of flatly goes, this is the girl. Yeah. She's like, that's the most, on. that may as well be a documentary. That's the most honest thing that she's ever seen in a movie about right. how Hollywood operates. Yeah. The movie isn't yours. Yeah. You know, unless you're one of those rarefied directors that has final cut and everything. Yeah. You know, you're basically a hired hand. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so you have to learn to sacrifice your artistic integrity. Yeah. In a way that doesn't make you want to quit the business or kill yourself. Yeah. Mm. It's great. And it's a, like, you know, the first time I saw this film, I, like you, Thoreau, I was just like, oh. Yeah. But now watching it like, and, and knowing and knowing Thoreau more through podcasts and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And I'm a big fan of his. yeah. yeah. Um, anyone who wants to feel good about life should follow Justin Thoreau on uh, Instagram because he's uh, he's a big advocate for adopting animals. And oh, he, he adopted a 
beautiful pit bull called Kuma, and Kuma <laughs> has her own site, and it's it's hilarious. Like if you want to see a, a dog that was frail and fucking poorly yeah. treated, who now gets to sit at a table with him and eat French toast. It is the fucking best thing in the world. Um, I also want to mention um, the uh, the detectives at the start of the film, you know, like, you know, oh, well, we'll be- better get on this case. And and then all you hear is that detectives are looking for, yeah. you know, in the real world yeah, yeah, yeah. after she swapped apartments, yeah. you know, because they probably know that she's put a hit on or Absolutely. something like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so she's in trouble. They fe- they felt a bit like Twin Peaks police, a little bit. They did, yeah. And um, once we get into uh, the squid bits, we can discuss that a little bit more. But also um, the the assassin, Joe, who's fucking useless. Like he's taken out everyone. Like that, that to me, that scene <laughs> where he's accidentally having to kill everybody is the, I could have watched that. For another five minutes, and and I, you, As so corpses pile up. Yes, yes. <laughs> so one of my favourite scenes in any movie of all time is the Marx Brothers on the boat, and it's people coming to the door, and Groucho <laughs> just letting them all in, and yeah. he just keeps letting them in, letting them in, letting them in, and then you know people bring down plates, and he's like, you know, well, I don't think there's any room in here, but opens the door and lets them in, and and eventually that whole scene finishes with the door being open from the outside, and everyone just piles out, and I would have been happy to watch him just have to keep murdering people, murdering people, murdering people, and then the door. Opens <laughs> it's one of the great comic scenes in any movie I've ever seen. It, and it's his reaction. That, oh man! Oh man! It is something bit me real bad. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It is. It is such a funny, funny moment. Uh, all right, let's uh, take a break, and we'll be back with part two. Thanks to Ben for joining me today for the first part of our Mulholland Drive two-parters. As I said earlier, part two will drop tomorrow, so not too long to wait. And then on Thursday, our final pass, the AML for season five is going to be <laughs> uploaded as Garth and I discuss the bonkers Osploitation film Howling 3, The Marsupials. That's a real title. That's a really fun podcast, so that'll come out on Thursday. A big thank you to our Patreon subscriber for the episode. Scott, I hope you enjoyed this episode and tomorrow's part two. If you'd like to be a part of the Big Squid community, head to patreon.com forward slash Hamilton underscore Big Squid to find a tier that suits you. A top review on Apple Podcasts is also a great way to support our work, as is word of mouth. Adelaide, don't forget to use the promo Big Squid for your discounted ticket to see Rove, Tom Gleeson, Adam, Adam Richard, Ben Elwood, and me at the Rhino Room on September 16th. We have four more guests to announce as well. And one of them is making their Big Squid debut. Hmm. Hmm. Stroogy beard meeting. Who could that be? Let's finish today with a quote from Justin Theroux. Writing is harder than acting. I enjoy acting for the brevity with which you can be in the experience of doing it. Writing is kind of more satisfying in that you're creating a world and doing something that feels bigger, but it's very time-consuming and has a higher threshold for failure. Until then. (laughs) 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.